0: Hey guys, it's Caleb. Uh, I want to talk to you guys today just a little bit about essential attitudes in a time of crisis. I'm going to be reading from Romans chapter 14 down through chapter 15 and verse 7. Paul says, Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord for they give thanks to God and whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it's wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It's better not to eat meat or to drink wine or to do anything else that would cause your brother or sister to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat, because their eating is not from faith, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak, and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors, for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another, then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Well, what's the main point of this text? Notice the emphasis both at the beginning and the ending of this portion of Paul's letter to the Romans. The emphasis is on accepting one another, just as God and Christ have accepted you. Now you might be wondering, why did the saints in Rome need this encouragement? Of course, aren't we supposed to accept one another in Christ? Well. Acceptance of one another was difficult because there were disputes and disagreements within the body over a number of matters of judgment. And while there are certainly some scriptural doctrines over which the Lord Jesus did not allow a diversity of opinions in the church, if you want a list of some of those, check out Ephesians chapter 4 verses 4 through 6, there were other disagreements concerning matters that involved judgment and opinions and traditions where paul did allow for a diversity of thought the disagreements in the roman church addressed in this text were primarily over the eating of certain foods the celebration of holidays and the drinking of wine and typically the differences were along racial lines between jews and gentiles the jews were more likely to eat vegetables only since living in a foreign land it'd be hard to find kosher meat markets. And the Jews were more likely to celebrate their traditional holidays and they were tempted to judge their Gentile brethren who ate everything, ignored the holy days. The Gentiles on the other hand, knowing that Jesus had declared all foods clean, were more likely to find their Jewish brethren weak for insisting on following old covenant food laws that had been done away with. And holy days that had uh, just as much to do with culture as it did to do with God. Uh, They were tempted to despise their Jewish brethren and to treat them with contempt. And so Paul reminds both of these groups that just as they are accepted by God, they also ought to accept one another. Well, why do we need this encouragement? Uh, While there were certainly some scriptural doctrines over which we cannot allow a diversity of opinions in the church... There are other disagreements concerning matters that involve judgment and opinions. And in these cases, we must allow each person, each member, to be convinced in their own mind of what they believe is pleasing to the Lord. And as we consider what assemblies will look like temporarily during this time of pandemic, there are a variety of opinions on what we ought to do and how we ought to proceed. This is a vast oversimplification But there seem to be basically two different categories of opinion. There are some who believe it best that the church should stay in and wait for more time to pass before assembling. There are others who believe that those who are low risk and those who are able should go on assembling even now. And those who deem it wise to stay in may be tempted to think of those going out as reckless. Those who are going out may be tempted to judge those who are more cautious to be lacking in courage or just afraid but after listening to you and hearing your opinions, neither would be an accurate portrayal of anyone's position in this church. Both those who are encouraging the church to wait a little longer and those who think it's best to reassemble now are seeking to do what is wise. They're seeking to do what is courageous. They're seeking to be faithful and loving. We are all trying to be pleasing to the Lord. And for this reason, Paul's encouragement here seems relevant. Accept the one with whom you disagree, without quarreling or passing judgment on their reasonings. To be clear, the question is not about whether we should follow the pattern of Scripture or not. Each one of us must appeal to Scripture for our reasoning in our opinions. And we are. But the question is about how to handle the current threats that face our church family and our community, both physical and spiritual. We are all concerned about both the physical and and spiritual health of our members and our neighbors, co-workers, family, friends. But there are differing opinions over how best to address the current threats that we face and how best to care for the physical and spiritual needs of one another. And in this time, there are some exhortations from Paul in this text that we should heed and pay careful attention to. So here's some advice for handling disagreements. Number one, accept one another without quarreling. The one who goes out should not judge the one who stays in. And the one who stays in should not look with contempt on those who go out. Why? Well, because God has accepted those, even those you disagree with. It was not because of our own wisdom or our own courage or our knowledge or our discernment that we were accepted by God. It was because of his grace alone. And grace is the great equalizer. Our acceptance by grace should humble us and lead us to be patient with one another when we disagree over judgments concerning how to handle a crisis. This is not to say that we should not question one another's reasoning. It's good for us to provoke each other to think about how best to handle this crisis. But the goal is not to be right or to prove the other wrong. The goal of our conversation is simply to help each other to please the Lord. And there's no spiritual high ground here. It's not that those going out are more spiritual or that those staying in are more loving. Each member is trying to please the Lord. And in this case, there are so many risks, both physical and spiritual. There are so many unknowns. None of us can know for certain what is best. And what is best for one may be different than what is best for another. So judgments must be made by each of us, and we should be humble enough to realize that not everyone who disagrees with us is doing so because they're foolish or unspiritual or reckless or afraid or because they don't love the Lord and they're not trying to please Him. We all have different experiences which will affect our opinions on these matters. And that diversity of experiences actually makes us stronger if we will listen to and learn from each other as we all prioritize first listening and learning to the Lord. Number two, leave judgments to the Lord who can judge perfectly. Paul says, who are you to judge the servant of another? Since the Lord Jesus is our master, it is to him that each of us stands or falls. And Jesus is able to make each one stand. If you feel that a brother or sister is weak in their opinions, pray for them. Encourage them, trusting that the Lord will strengthen them and make them stand. Don't belittle them or despise them or look on them with contempt. And number three, be convinced in your own mind. Each of us must do what we believe is pleasing to the Lord. If you go out, do it for the Lord, not for yourself, and give thanks to God. If you stay in, do it for the Lord, not for yourself and give thanks to God. We live for the Lord and we die for the Lord. We are the Lord's. There are risks that are being taken and sacrifices being made on both sides. They're made by both by those who stay in and by those who go out. So let us each focus on doing what we believe is right, knowing that it is only to God that we must give an account in the end. My focus is must be on doing what I believe is pleasing to him. Number four, remember to keep the main thing the main thing. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, Paul says. I would argue the kingdom of God is not a matter of going out or staying in, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Everything we do is about exalting the king and helping each other toward that end. Now, Satan is constantly seeking to lead us astray from what the king considers to be of first importance. So let us keep studying diligently the scriptures and pray that the Lord will help us to prioritize the things that he prioritizes. Whatever differences of opinion we may have on these matters must not distract us from the mission to which we've been assigned. Finally, number five, Let every action be motivated by love. We must determine that every action is taken out of love. Not out of fear, not out of selfishness or pride, but out of love. It is not loving to put a stumbling block in a brother or sister's way. If what I'm doing is causing distress to a brother or sister, then I'm no longer acting in love. We should not allow our opinions on this matter to destroy a relationship with a brother or sister for whom Christ died. The Kingdom of God is about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. For this reason, we make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Don't destroy the work of God for the sake of your opinion. If we believe we are strong, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good, to build them up. These thoughts, of course, contradict the American individualism of our nation. We're tempted to think this is my body, my choices, my freedom, and I have my rights. I can do whatever I choose. But as Christians, our bodies are not our own. We are the Lord's. And the Lord Jesus calls us to sacrifice our desires and wishes for the good of our brethren and our neighbors. For this reason, there may be many choices that I do not prefer, yet I make them anyways for the sake of my brethren, for the sake of my neighbors. That may seem hard, but the way of the cross is hard. And when we decided to follow Christ, we chose to deny ourselves, take up our crosses daily and follow him. We have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. So whatever sacrifices I make for the good of my brethren are simply opportunities for me to live out the gospel and to imitate Jesus who endured and gave up far more so that we might all be accepted in him. Well, if this is going to be hard, what will move us and what will motivate us to keep living this way? I think Paul gives us a clue in the text. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. As it goes for everything Jesus calls us to do, he showed us the way. And when you're struggling to give up your rights for a brother or sister, remember Jesus, who gave up all of his rights for you. When you're having a hard time bearing with the opinions of your brethren, remember Jesus who has bore bore far worse for you. And when we remember that Christ has accepted us in spite of our sinful past, in spite of my current flaws, it will get much easier for us to also accept each other even when we disagree. Finally, let's remember the goal that we're striving for. What is the goal that we're striving for? Well, Jesus said to his disciples shortly before his death, he said, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. John 13, verse 35. He then prayed to the Father that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to perfect oneness. Then the world will know that you've sent me and, I've loved and have loved them even as you've loved me. John 17, and 23. My greatest concern is not how we will treat our assemblies temporarily during this time of crisis. My greatest concern is how we will treat each other. They will know we are Christians by our love for one another. And this is how we will shine like lights in the world. Paul ends this discussion in Romans 15 and verse 6 by stating the goal in his prayer. He says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, this is what we're striving for, that with one mind and one voice we may glorify God both now, in this time of trial and pandemic, and also for eternity, eternally forever, when we are reunited with Him. Toward that end, every decision we make is made not to please ourselves, but to be pleasing to Him. We focus on obeying Him and working together to create the unity that God has designed his church to have. May God help us to pursue him, to obey him, to love him so that we may glorify him. Peace and love everybody.